This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. You know, recently I was doing a presentation to a group of rugby coaches and I talked a lot about the concept of empowerment, about empowering the players, about coaching choice, about the power of choice, about partnering with the athletes rather than coaching at them. And it was quite fascinating that some of the coaches then followed up with a whole range of issues and challenges and questions about the concept of player empowerment and asked me to go through some examples and some details of what it actually looked like. And it became very, very obvious that there was a lot of misconception, misunderstanding and myths about the concept of player empowerment and athlete empowerment in the room. And I thought it's a great topic to dig into a little bit on a podcast. So today we're going to talk about the whole concept of player empowerment, player engagement, building relationships with players, about seeing players as partners in their potential and performance, about coaching with athletes and partnering with athletes and not coaching at them. And I want to look at that a little bit more in detail. Let's put player empowerment under the coaching microscope. First of all, I want to attack this through the eyes of the myths and the misconceptions about player empowerment, about the partnership model, about working with athletes and not coaching at athletes. One of the most common misconceptions is that it's about what some coaches would call being soft, in that by them relinquishing some of their coaching power, by saying to the athletes, I'm empowering you, I'm engaging with you, I'm giving you the ability to choose to do this a way that is consistent with your goals, with your motivation, with your standards. By handing that over to the players, somehow we're being soft because we're not standing there in our more traditional, maybe authoritarian way and counting and giving feedback about times or splits that we're actually empowering the players to take responsibility and ownership for what they're doing, that somehow we've become soft and we're going to produce soft athletes. Now, I would argue all day that softness, first of all, is a concept that might have been popular in the 60s and 70s, but now it's not about being hard or soft or easy or hard or difficult or compliant. It's about individual athletes. And what I believe is when you talk with athletes and help them to understand the power of their choices and the strength of them having responsibility and ownership over their own training and their own practice, their own preparation, their own diet, their own sleep, when they understand the power of them taking ownership and responsibility for that, if anything, the athletes themselves will lift their standards, will lift to another level 
It's got nothing about being soft. I think what coaches are actually saying is that, well, most athletes are looking for shortcuts and most athletes want an easy way and they don't want to train hard. And I haven't found that to be the case. Where coaches believe that athletes don't want to train hard, my challenge is, well, why don't they want to train hard? What is it about your program? What is it about the way you're delivering your program that would see athletes switch off a little bit or back off the intensity? Because if you understand your athletes, if you're inspiring your athletes, if the coaching environment is positive, constructive, based on learning, quality feedback, athletes are getting better, they're working together, they're discovering new things about themselves, they're problem solving, they're making decisions. If you've got a coaching environment that works, they will give everything they've got. Where I see athletes not working as hard as maybe some coaches would like them to, for me, it's about maybe we didn't understand why they were there and what their motivation is. Two, maybe they didn't understand the importance of doing things in a particular way, which is an education issue. And also it can be that they are bored out of their brain with the way that we're delivering the coaching environment. So back in the 50s, 60s, 70s coaches, when I was around there too, is that would be very common for athletes to try and be successful just by increasing training volume. Because it's the easiest thing to do. Add another session, add another kilometre, add a few more laps. It's easy to see, easy to measure, easy to put in place. Very, very simple. And most coaches will look to try and get some degree of improvement through training load changes. It's a phrase I really like, which goes, the only thing that's proven, proven to improve performance is consistent hard training, which is why so many coaches fall back on it because they can see, they can measure, they can count, they can record it in their training diaries and say, when we increase training, we get these outcomes. However, we're dealing with athletes now who are multi-mode in their learning, who learn the same thing 26 different ways, not doing the same thing 26 times. And that's a subtle difference in the way they gather information. You know, coaches will often say, oh, kids today that, you know, they don't pay attention and they drift off and they don't stick to things. Well, the kids aren't going to change. Society is not going to change. You have to change. And if the kids are not consistently doing the work the way that you believe they need to do it, telling and yelling and screaming and those things do not work. Partnering works, building relationships work, empowering works, engagement works, connecting with, engaging with, and inspiring the hearts and minds of human being works. But believing that giving athletes more influence, more control, giving them the opportunity to choose to choose is being soft is a complete myth. Secondly, the next big myth, misconception about player empowerment. It's not about giving up your coaching. It's a, it's a very common one, and I get this a lot from swimming coaches who'll say, well, we may as well not even be there if the athletes are going to have a choice of doing this and the athletes are going to write their own programs and, well, I may as well not even be there. I'm giving them all my power. It's no point me even doing a job. You couldn't be more wrong. Player empowerment 
takes more coaching skill, takes better relationships, takes more time, more effort, more energy, more subtlety, stronger relationships than what we call compliance coaching. In a previous podcast, I've talked about the fundamental shift in coaching from compliance coaching, you do what I tell you, to choice-based coaching. How can you do this better? How can you make this better? How can you improve what I'm giving you? How can we work as partners? We've moved from compliance coaching to choice-based coaching. And I've heard this though a lot from coaches. I'll say, oh, look, this empowerment stuff, I'm basically letting them become the coach. I'm letting them do, exactly, that's what you're doing. Exactly. You're empowering them to understand the power of their choices in effect working with you and partnering with you as self-coaches. You're making them coaches with you. You're coaching together to help the athlete be all they can be. We're partnering with athletes. And it's not about giving up your power, coaches. It's about saying to an athlete, as your partner, as someone who desperately wants you to succeed, as someone who wants you to be all you can be, as someone who wants you to realize your potential, I'm giving everything I can to this program, but I need you to give everything you've got, your power of choice, my power of coaching. Together we connect and we do everything we can to help you be all you can be. It's not about giving up your power. It's about growing the overall flow of power and energy in the coaching program by unleashing the power that each of us has inside us. It's about saying to an athlete, instead of me just giving and giving and giving and giving, I'm empowering you to give back so that our collective power, our collective energy, our collective strength will help us achieve our goals. And one of my great mentors talks about the limitations of coaches only giving. And he talks about, for example, a group of athletes come into your program and you're so excited because we all love coaching. And he talks about standing there and being open and, and, and lots of energy and running up and down the training environment and giving feedback and giving everything you've got physically, mentally, emotionally to the athletes. And at the end of the training session, you're falling asleep in your car on the way home because you've got nothing left to give. Coaching should be empowering to you. You should feel that energy and that power from the athletes because you're both contributing to the power of the environment. You're giving energy to the environment. You're sharing energy and power to help things work effectively and to help everybody realize their goals and their opportunities. So myth number two, it's not about giving up power, it's about growing power. Myth number three, a coach said to me recently, he said, yeah, that's typical, you know, we've given up this, we've given up that. Society wants kids to be soft and easy. You know, yeah, society's going that way. Parents are too busy. Heard it all before. The coach actually said it's like we're giving in to society. We work with athletes who want to be extraordinary people, who want to do different things, who want to get better, who want to achieve, who are aspirational, and we're just giving it all in because society says we have to do it, we have to 
And I would argue very strongly that that too is nothing but a myth and nothing but a complete misconception. We're not giving into society. We're tapping into changes and trends in society to help us be better coaches. The best example I can give is in the education system. Talk to an experienced high school teacher about the biggest changes that they've had to make as professionals over the last 10 years. And they will tell you that they've gone from just delivering information and delivering PowerPoints and putting on videos and writing on the whiteboard to creating learning experiences where the students drive their learning, to giving the students problem to solve in problem-solving groups, to giving the kids hints and guides and ideas and helping them to learn how to solve those specific issues, to tell them what the outcome is and giving them the freedom to choose how they will get there. That's the way education is going. And doesn't matter what sport you're in, you've got them for maybe four hours a day. Teachers have got them four, five, six, seven, eight hours a day and most of the year round. And if you ask them what are the biggest changes that they've had to understand and the way that they teach, how have they changed the way they teach, is it's giving that empowerment, those tools, those choices to the students, not because they're giving into society, because that's the way society is going. In the morning, most of us will turn on our phones and we start to learn and engage with the world. We might turn on social media. We might call friends. We might watch television. We listen to the radio. We are in a constant bombardment of multiple areas of knowledge, information, education. It's very rare these days where someone turns on one radio station and listens to that one radio station all day. That's not the way the world was. That was the way the world was when we were coaching by repetition, when we were coaching by it's my way or the highway, when we were coaching the old way where it was about our control, our motivation, our systems, what we wanted. That's the way we were coaching then because so much of society was based on a single source of learning. Now we've got kids who learn so quickly, so fast, if they're given the opportunity to learn the right way. The one way they do not learn, coaches, is to have you standing at the end of the pool, standing on the sideline, standing out on court, and just giving instruction after instruction after instruction. In the learn to swim business, and I think it's quite relevant for this discussion here, most learn to swim lessons around the world are around about 30 minutes long, sometimes a little bit shorter, sometimes class sizes, bigger, smaller, but let's stay with that, about 30 minutes. One of the most common ways that I look at the effectiveness of teachers working in a learn to swim environment is a very simple time on task. And the question I say to them is, how much time during your lesson were the kids doing? Not you teaching, not you giving instruction, not you telling them what to do. How much of that 30 minutes were the kids doing? Why is that important? 
because confidence comes from knowing and knowing comes from doing. The more they do, the more they know, the more confident they become. I'll do that again. Confidence comes from knowing and knowing comes from doing. Knowing doesn't come from listening. Knowing doesn't come from watching. It can to a small degree, but confidence comes from knowing and knowing comes from doing. And if I've got kids in that setting where 24, 25, 26 minutes of that 30-minute class time is dedicated to doing, I have a lot of learning. If I have a lot of learning, I have knowing and I have great confidence in my group. And I often see this with coaches in a whole range of sports. And let me just give you an example. Fairly recently, I was watching a coach working in football, in soccer. And the coach was leading a 20-minute skill session, had a large group of athletes aged 14 to 16. During that period of time, they did one drill repetitively. They just went over and over and over. The coach gave no individual feedback. The coach coached from the same position. And worst of all, out of the 20-minute skills session, and I was paying attention, around six minutes was doing, 14 minutes was listening to talk, was listening to information, was listening to instructions. And I think about the cumulative effect of those missed opportunities for athletes to do. And it's got nothing to do with giving in or making it easy or being soft coaches. You're not giving into society by tapping into this desire, this passion, this way of athletes doing, by empowering them to do, you're making your coaching sessions way more effective. You're giving them more opportunity to learn, to grow and get better. And number four, very, very importantly, I hear coaches say by empowering players, by empowering athletes, I've adopted mediocrity somehow or we've decreased our standards because if I'm not driving the standards as coach, if I'm not insisting on standards, then everything falls apart. If I'm not pushing the athletes, if I'm not counting, if I'm not standing there and yelling from the sideline, we'll be mediocre because that's the way you do it in our sport or that's the way I was taught That's the way my coaches acted. None of those reasons are good reasons. What I find, coaches, is if you really understand this concept of empowerment, if you really get the connection, engagement, inspiration framework, if you build quality relationships with athletes, standards lift because the standards are not being imposed by you. The standards are not being enforced by you. They are being willingly and openly embraced by the athletes. In many situations, when you're working with groups of athletes, they will embrace this concept to the point where the standards that they will insist from each other, where the accountability that they have between each other and the personal responsibility they have for maintaining standards are higher than you could possibly have thought. And that's when your coaching is at its most powerful. If you're still standing on the sideline and enforcing standards, 
If you're yelling out, go harder, do more, has to be faster. If that's the way you're coaching, I think you're missing the boat. And you really haven't got where kids today, where athletes today really are at because if they understand the power of their own choice, if they really get the strength of having responsibility and ownership over their program, if collectively as a group they act with honesty and trust and selflessness and keep each other accountable to standards, the standards will lift. It's a far more enjoyable way to coach. It's a far more sustainable way of coaching. You don't feel drained at the end. You feel uplifted, energized. You feel the power coming from the group because they're willingly doing the things that they know are important for them as individuals and as a group. So coaches, let's reflect on that again. I believe player empowerment is largely misunderstood and there's so many myths about it. I think the fundamental reason behind that is that if I coach by compliance, if I coach by measurement, if I coach by degrees, it's very safe. If I can stand back and say, yeah, the kids did three kilometers extra this week. They did an extra session. We spent an extra time, an extra hour of time in the gym. If I coach through my drive, my will, my goals, by things I can see and feel and measure and do, it's very safe because I can then look at my program and say, I did my job. I coached. My challenge would be, are you a coach or are you a trainer? Are you a coach? Are you a traffic clock? Come here, stop there, go there, come back. Are you a coach and just merely a timekeeper? Are you just a counter? Or are you a person who inspires change through emotional connection? Are you someone who changes lives through coaching? Are you someone that inspires confidence in athletes because they feel that empowerment and the difference that their choices can make? Are you someone who inspires independence and responsibility, two qualities that will carry your athletes through the rest of their lives, or are you just someone that keeps adding training sessions and content and more training activities to your program? Because, colleagues, that is a dead end. You can't keep doing that infinitely. And what's important to us is not just what they do when they're working with us, but how we coach, how we've affected how we impact on their lives for the rest of their lives. Empowerment is not about being soft. If anything, athletes who understand empowerment will deliberately make it harder for themselves to learn lessons because they understand and they accept that if they challenge themselves more, they will improve. If they make it a little more difficult and solve difficult problems in training, they will get better. Number two, Empowerment is not about giving away your coaching power. It's about creating an environment where you're sharing the power of the environment by allowing athletes to unleash their power, their energy. Energy grows if you get empowerment coaching. Number three, you are not giving in to society. You know, society is, and and it's a, a concept I've spoken about we coaches in all sports for a long time. If society is a bucket of sand, 
your sport is about a grain. If you honestly think that all of society will change for you and will go backwards to a place where you're comfortable in coaching through compliance, you're delusional. It is not going to happen. But it is much smarter to understand what society is actually saying. Society is saying power to the individual, power to us as like-minded people, freedom of expression, people working together collectively for similar outcomes. Society is telling us pretty clearly what the world wants and the kids you're coaching are saying it very, very loudly. They want the opportunity to take ownership and responsibility for their own future, for their own outcomes, and they will give you everything they've got. And finally, myth number four, coaching through empowerment has got nothing to do with mediocrity or drop standards. In fact, in my experience where athletes and teams understood the power of choice and their empowerment and the effect that that can have, standards go up. Standards improve, everybody gets better. Coaching through player empowerment, through athlete empowerment, give it a go. It makes sense, it makes a difference, and it's a wonderful way to coach. This is Wayne Goldsmith for Sports Thoughts. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more Sports Thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com. 